0: Uh, well, the, the introduction that I have is, is, is going to be confined and uh, comes straight from the Apostle Paul himself uh, from Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father. And our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from our our God and Father, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the team, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, that planted the church in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul was a well known apostle, so he he didn't have to call himself the apostle. Silvanus is just the Latin form of, of, of the form of Silas uh, uh, that is found in the Greek form in the uh, book of Acts. And of course Timothy is, is, is that beloved disciple. The authorship belongs to Paul, but the team behind him are in full agreement with what he has to say. And he says to the Church of the, of the Thessalonians in God our Father and, 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 and the Lord Jesus Christ in, in this particular context means living as branches that are in a vine or like rooted in a human body as its parts each part drawing its its life from God our Father and 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 the Lord Jesus Christ and that's what Heritage Baptist Church is it's because we are in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ that's the reason that we could start out at Kentucky Wesleyan College in room 105 with a handful of people and see the church grow and see the resources come in and build our first sanctuary and start a Christian school with preschool and kindergarten and see it flourish for 33 years and to have all of these facilities and all of this land that we have It's because we are in God. This church belongs to him and to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 2, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is that undeserved, unmerited favor of God what could be better peace is not just the absence of conflict but it's God's peace it's the peace that Jesus leaves us not as the world gives it but as he gives it to us it's his peace and why are they so valuable Why is that such a great saying? It it, it falls off, off our lips so easily. What did it take for us to have favor with God and to have peace with God? How did we get that? We got that through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We were enemies of God. We were not in favor with God. We did not have peace with God. We didn't have peace with each other either. But look at these these abundant blessings that have been poured out upon us. But it's all through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's he's the one that does it. That's the price. That's how much it costs. Is for God the Father to send the Son and for the Son to perfectly obey him even to the death on a cross and, and to bleed and die for sinners. That's the introduction. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Our outline is very simple. It comes right out of the passage. In, in verses 3 and 4, we have thanksgiving for God's grace. In verses 5 through 10, we have a defense of God's justice. He's going to do what's right. And in verses 11 and 12, we have a prayer for God's power. Well well, in, in verses three and four, we ought always to give thanks to God for you. Brothers, as it is right. He, he, he tells you why it was right and, and why He has to always give thanks. It is because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of, of every one of you for one another is increasing to the point of boasting concerning them. Two grand reasons. Your faith is growing abundantly. Literally, it just simply says it's growing more and more. And Bishop Lightfoot, a British theologian comments on the two carefully chosen words more and more I don't know Greek but he does and he says the first word implies internal organic growth as of a tree that that grows from the inside out and and grows within itself and sends out branches and leaves the the second is, comes from a word uh, that means diffusive or expansive. A flood that spreads out and irrigates the land. And he's also thankful for the love of every one of you. Because it's increasing. Neither faith nor love are static, stationary things. They are growing. And if if you want more faith, if, if you want your faith to be increased, ask for it. Ask God for it. If you want your love to abound, ask for it. That's what we've got to do. Talk to God about it. Do you think He'll say no to you? If you say. Increase my faith, God. Oh, please, increase my faith. Make me a lover of my brothers and sisters in Christ and and of sinners. Is he going to say, no, I'm not going to do that? When that is exactly what he is, a lover of sinners. That's why he sent his son to save sinners. Sinners. Well, Paul traces this progress that this young church in Thessalonica has made to the power of the Holy Spirit in their hearts and in their lives. He feels it so strongly that he says, Therefore we ourselves, in verse 4, boast about you in the churches for your steadfast faith, in all your persecutions and afflictions. It may seem like thanksgiving and, and, and boasting uh, could not go together, uh, that they're in, 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 incompatible. Thanksgiving goes to God and boasting goes by giving credit to men. But there's a different kind of boasting. There's the boasting... Boasting in the Lord, bragging about what God is doing. And it's actually two sides of the same coin. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2 19, he didn't change his mind. He said this previously. He says, For what is our hope? or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus as it, at his coming. Is it not you? Doesn't he take great and exceeding joy in the people that have been brought by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus? Can't he boast before God? Boast to God? of what he has done in his people and see the application here uh, to us is this there's a sense in which we can instead of criticizing one another and judging one another we can look for grace in one another have you ever bragged Or have you ever mentioned the grace of God to somebody else about someone else who is in your life? Or do you always feel or do you sometimes feel a need to be silent or detract from the statement? If somebody says, he's a great servant of the Lord, shouldn't it well up in your heart? Yes. Yes. Oh yes he is let me tell you what I know and 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 speak of the grace that is in that person we need to do more and more of that have you ever said to anybody I'm preaching to myself because I need to improve in this too have you ever said to anybody you are such a example to me in 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 this area you are uh, such a wonderful, wonderful servant of God. And I, I would like to be more like you. I really would. These are the kinds of things that we can do. We can affirm the graces in other people's lives without flattering them. And, and, and we can never, we, we can come to the place where we never speak a negative word about any of, of, of our brother's and sisters to anyone else but only speak a gracious word a word that that says I treasure them there's there's good to be found there's there's so much more good than what is not good well, we go to our second point then this is a, 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 a defense in verses 5 through 10 of God's justice uh, Paul writes to them and says this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and and to be marveled among all who have believed because our testimony was believed. Paul sees not only the evidence of God's grace in in their lives as, as, as having grace and 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 peace from God and seeing it flourish more and more. He sees something else. He sees in verse 5 the evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering evidence means a manifest token it means a plain indication of two things that you are worthy not meritoriously not earning it but that you are being fitted you're being prepared you're being set apart you are objects of miraculously transforming grace and that's how God makes you worthy it's through proving it by the evidence that you are willing to suffer for his great name it's proved by the holiness of your lives You are so different from the world. And you want to be. You long to be. You want to increase in that. That's that's the worldliness. It's all from God. He's the one that's made you that way. He's the one that's given the transformative grace. He's the one that's given you regeneration to the mighty work of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 6, we see that since God intends it or considers it, since indeed God considers it just, it is right in the sight of God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Whatever God considers right, it's right. No matter how many detractors there are, are uh, 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 there exist that want to contradict him? God's right. He's always right. He's never wrong. Our great God. In Genesis 18, in a very early book of the Bible, Abraham says to God, "Far be it from you to do such a thing to put the righteous to death w- with the wicked." So that the righteous fare as the wicked, far be it that you from you shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right, do what is just. Oh, yes, he will. He will. So on the one hand, uh, the righteous on, on on the earth, like in in the nations where there are se- a severe persecution. I'm so thankful uh, uh, for what Cliff said and, and 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 for Pastor Thad's prayer. We are so spared. We don't know what persecution really is. A sour look on on somebody's face because we mentioned Jesus. That's that's really horrible, isn't it? That's nothing, is it? But so on the one hand, by and large, the righteous suffer. Their character is developed. They are fitted and prepared for heaven. They are well proven and ready for glory. Then on the other hand, there are the wicked. They are the ones who, who are the unbelievers who continue in sin who continue to live independently of God or think that they are. They live autonomous lives. They are a God unto themselves. They're the judge of everything. They continue to go after their sinful preferences. But you see, you see from these verses, you see that God will judge Nobody gets away with anything. The terrible news uh, 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 that you see on TV and, and, and that you read about, uh, uh, perhaps in World Magazine or in, in, in the newspapers, God's got it. Nobody gets away with anything. And it's not that you rejoice in that. But you pity these proud people who are doing their own thing and doing exactly what they want to do. And it's cruelty. It's abuse. It's, it's barbarism. Horrible, horrible things are happening in Myanmar. Uh, those of you who, who, who are on that list know that. But at the same time, in, 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 in verse 7 and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of, of the Lord Jesus. God's going to take care of it. For us, relief is sure. Rest is sure. Reward is sure. More, and, and those rewards will be more than we could ever think of. And it's backed by the promise of God. He, he says... I will give these things to you. I will repay with affliction to those who afflict you. And Jesus says, If you have come unto me, that meek and lowly one, you shall find rest for your soul. If you're a Christian, you've found that rest, you've got that confidence. You, you know that you will enter in to eternal rest. Matthew Henry says, listen to this. Matthew Henry says, Every man carries about with him and carries it out of the world with him, either his heaven or his hell. The majority of the people here who are gathered, they've gathered to worship, and they are carrying heaven in their hearts. But there are some here, whether they know it or not, they may not know it. They're carrying with them hell in their hearts, they have not obeyed the gospel they do not know Jesus Christ it is not just the murderers and the thieves and the liars and the persecutors of of God's people who who are condemned it's the people it's just the people it's even the boys and girls that simply do not know God and do not obey the gospel. And the reason that I, I weep is because there is eternal destruction if you remain in that place. If you do not find out and know God, not about him, but know him by a revelation of his Son, Jesus Christ, and you do not obey the gospel, if, if you do not arrive at the place then, that more than anything else you want to be holy and you want to do what's right, And you find yourself set free from the sins that have dragged you down in in your life. What do you get if you don't know Him and you don't obey the gospel? What does it say? Eternal destruction for sinning against an infinitely holy God. You've got to come over you've got to change your mind you see right now right now you are deciding something you are you are deciding to act upon this Jesus says come to me acts 221 says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved the ESV says everyone Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And you're deciding something right now. You're making up your mind. You're saying, I'll do that. Before I leave this place, I will call upon the name of the Lord. And I will confess that I need a Savior. And the only one I know of is Jesus Christ. I want to be clothed with his righteousness. You say that you call upon the name of the Lord. Acts 2.21 says you'll be saved. But others of you, please don't do this. You will be passive and you will leave as you came. You won't make up your mind to do anything different. You'll go out the door and 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 you'll leave just as, as you came in that is such a sorry sorry thing to do because God is just he will do what is right you will be away from the presence of 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 the lord where there where there are pleasures to to be found in your presence there is fullness of joy. And in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, You will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. If there was ever any hope, if there was any hope at all, that you would be able to escape it. And that it would come to the, an end, even after a million years there be some hope. But there is no hope. There's no hope at all. The the sinners that are presently in hell right now are in there forever. It'll break your heart if you believe that. And, 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 And you don't leave it. Take heaven in your heart. Take Christ in your heart. Don't don't refuse it. Don't refuse the gospel. He's the only substitute for sinners. He is the exalted king of kings. He is the one who's right now at the right hand of God, interceding for sinners. Come to him. Embrace him. Believe upon him. Trust him with, with your whole soul. Trust him to save you. That's what you've just got to have. Romans 2, 6 says, He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and and in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth... But obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath, fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil to the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good by the grace of God to the Jew first and also uh, to the Greek. In first Thessalonians uh, 4 and and verse 16 a parallel passage Paul says for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of, of, of command with the voice of an archangel I, I don't know what that is and with the sound of the trumpet of God it will be heard worldwide Supreme majesty, invincible might, glorious power, unimaginable. But for us, we'll not be afraid in that day. We'll be realizing what our hearts have longed for all of our lives. It'll be wonderful, it'll be attractive, it'll be glorious to us. What of us? <laughs> Oh, how great our God is. And although, although in, in, in um, verse 10, we may not fully understand this, I don't. But verse 10 says, when he comes on that day, there's one more distinction between the righteous and the wicked. The righteous on that day. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints. And to be marveled at. Among those who have believed. Because our testimony of you was believed. John Stott. A, a, a A Presbyterian minister or Anglican minister who has gone to be with the Lord has a wonderful commentary on this, and I cannot say it better. He says, For when Christ comes, he will not only be the judge of those who reject the gospel, but will be glorified in his holy people and be marveled at among those who have believed. This includes the Thessalonians and us who on hearing the apostles' testimony had believed, just as we have believed as well. That is to say, not only will the Lord Jesus be revealed objectively in his own splendor so that we see it, but his splendor will be revealed, be revealed in us as his redeemed people so that we will be transformed by it and will become vehicles by which it is displayed. I can't imagine it. And in our transformation, his glory will be seen in us. We'll see it in each other. We see a little bit of it. If we're looking for grace, right now we see a little bit of it in each other already. But 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 we'll see it in in its Perfection. He says in, in, our, in our transformation. His glory will be seen in us. For we will glow. With the glory of Christ. As indeed he glowed with the glory of his father. Similar to when Jesus. Was transfigured. On that earthy occasion. When his face shone like the sun. While his skin and clothing. Glistened and. And. And became white as light. The body of Christ. All his redeemed people. From every nation, tribe, tongue, and language. All the families of the earth. Will be transfigured by the glory of Christ. Not temporarily. As in the the transfiguration. But eternally. Hallelujah. When we look at the last, at the last point then, uh, point number four, prayer for God's power in, in just two verses. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So that the name of the Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two grand requests that God may make you worthy of His calling and you already know what that is. We already talked about that. It's not in the establishment or the accumulation of merit to make ourselves worthy. But rather, it's God's free grace to the unworthy and the undeserving. We are counted worthy by the work of Jesus Christ and by the evidence that we give that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and we walk in the ways of holiness enabled by the Holy Spirit to embrace it. the wicked gospel rejectors, the lovers of sin the ones who love darkness will get what they deserve but Jesus got what we deserved and we will get what we don't deserve but only through the merits of Christ through the free gift of grace we will get what christ originally deserved and and that he may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power that god would mightily fulfill all and every moral goodness in us designed to bless others and to have an ever-increasing faith which is energetic And constantly working for his glory. We deny ourselves. In order to. Exalt. Him. My brother. And my pastor Mark Redfern. Entitled this sermon. A revelation. Of Jesus Christ. And I didn't notice that. um, In. In the schedule that he sends out. Till late last night I went back to the pastor (laughs) uh, to the passage I found out that that's a very good title Verse one says the church of Thessalonians in God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ Christ came to give himself up for the church that's why he died he died for this, cult, this countless multitude of called out ones that assembled together. In verse 2, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who purchased it, the, 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 the vehicle of grace to God. In verse 7, it says, For the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. With his mighty angels. He's the judge of all the earth. He's coming back. More certain than your next heartbeat. Christ is coming back. And he will judge the earth. In verse 9. The eternal destruction away. From the presence of the Lord. Who is the Lord? It is the Lord Jesus Christ and from the glory of his might, from all the glory and power that will be seen in Christ who came in an obscure and weakened way at his, at his first coming. His second coming, he will come with great power and with fire and with myriads of angels and he will raise the dead. And then in, 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 in verse 10, when he, Jesus, comes on that day to be glorified in his saints, Christ's saints, and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our, our testimony to you was believed In verse 12, it says, the chapter closes with this, and I know men set the chapters. This is where they set it. Chapter 12 ends with, so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? our great and glorious and magnificent Heavenly Father, we give you thanks with all of our hearts, with all our souls for the Lord Jesus Christ and this revelation that we've had of him as as, we, as, as it may have been. We do pray, O oh God, as we carry heaven, according to Matthew Henry, I think he's right, we carry heaven with us and then we carry it in in into the next life after we live for those who don't have that. Oh God send mercy send the Holy Spirit send your invincible power your irresistible grace and save sinners this day O Lord not only here among us but in every gospel-centered Christ-centered church all around this entire hemisphere, we pray, where people are gathered to worship. Help us to love you more. Increase our faith. Make us to be your servants in every way. Make us take, to take delight in d- d- denying ourselves and exalting Christ. We pray this in that glorious, in that victorious In that effectual, worthy name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.